All right, all right. You guys know the drill. When things get dicey and political, we generally don't talk about it. At least not too much. We like to keep things nerdy and pithy and moving along, talking about games and fun times and hanging with friends and watching movies and reading comic books and all of those sorts of things. But as you probably already know, there is a major story that has exclusively political bent to it that, of course, we're going to talk about. So we're going to break our rule this week, and we're just warning you about it up front, because there's no way to talk about that ley lines controversy without addressing the political stuff that's packed in. We hope you understand. Now, on with the show. Hey, my name is Ryan David. Thank you for tuning in, and you're listening to another week's episode of Nerd Cognito. And what a week it has been. Oh my goodness. I couldn't do this without my partner here. Everybody say hello to Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey Ryan, how's it going this week? I'm I'm just worn out, you know. <laughs> um, you? We're 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 talking about ley lines, and uh, we have to, right? It's it's the story du jour right now, and um, this will be probably the third or fourth iteration of stuff that I've talked about with ley lines. I was on Immortal Rising stream the day it happened. So we talked about it live. Of course, we talked about it on T-shirts this or the Week in Geek. And uh here we are. Here we are again because the it, the hits just keep on rolling. They're they're taking pages right out of Wizards playbook. Instead of laying low and letting shit simmer down, <laughs> they they just keep on going. So, we're talk about that. Um, look, I'm already doing the breakdown on the show. I didn't even ask. How the hell is your week, Bert? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not too bad. You know, had a couple of game days. It was, uh, it was Mother's Day this past weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mother's Day. I took my mom out, did a few things, uh, played some weird games with my other, with one of my gaming groups. So I almost thought uh, a couple of weeks ago, if you would have asked me, I would have told you I'm probably going to go visit my mom for Mother's Day. But I dodged the bullets and, you know, uh, things in in her world sphere have changed. Uh, my 97-year-old grandmother is now living with them. And uh, that makes the living quarters a little tight. All of us just decided it went, no, Ryan, we really love you and we want you to come down. But, and I was like, oh, as soon as she said that, I was like, cool. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Amazon packages for Mother's Day are inbound. <laughs> and and that was that. And, uh, you know, we did the Mother's Day thing here at the house and I grilled up some steaks and, and uh, made some delicious random pasta salad that was amazing that I'll never be able to replicate because it really was just whatever was pasta salady that was left in the fridge. <laughs> so been there, done yeah, that, using up leftovers. It was fantastic, right? It had salami and bacon and and uh, parmesan and uh, wonderful herbs and spices and oil and vinegar and 
I'll never be able to replicate the flavor if I wanted to because I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> so um, I chefed it up for Mother's Day. Um, cooked breakfast, nice. cooked dinner. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Nice. I took I took my mom to one of her favorite restaurants and took the easy way out just because I had some home repairs and stuff I had to do. So we just went out, had a nice meal, and spent a little time together and called it good. You're a freaking brave soul. I avoid restaurants like the plague on Mother's Day and Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, long waits, or did you have reservations, or uh, somewhere in between? No, no, I, we. Went in, got right in, got served. Like we had no problems going to the, going to the place. That's awesome. That's a win all the way around. <laughs> I, I I can't do it. I I I I just avoid restaurants on those sort of days because my luck would be that it just I I would be sitting there waiting, or we would want to go to a place that doesn't take reservations, and then then you're sitting there waiting, and I feel like a moron, and. It, really angsty and the older i get the less i like people so eh, eh, get off my lawn you you fucking restaurant goers <sighs> speaking of getting off lawns uh ley lines is our opening segment today on the flip side of the news we did get a chance to finally Finally, right, we've been talking about bringing one of their games to our group for a while, but we finally got the Fallout role-playing game to the table at the Nerd Cognito group, and we're going to, I don't know if I would call it like a rundown and review, but we're going to talk right. about what we normally talk about, what was our gaming experience, things we liked, things we didn't like, because it's not exactly a new game, but it's new for our table, and right. I, I know people were interested to see how it goes. In fact, I, I had a lot of incoming direct messages and emails this week when we just touched off that we were going to do it last week on the show, and they said, you guys should stream it. Well, first of all, no. You don't you don't want us to stream it. <laughs> no, no. We're it's not really that interesting to sit there and watch us roll dice and page through books and figure things out. It's not like we don't we don't play the way a, a streamer necessarily would. No, and um I don't know. It was sort of an opening session. So we did the whole character generation thing and we did little intro uh, adventure and um, we'll, we'll talk about that on the flip side of the news, but not, not a bad experience by any means. I didn't think so. No, no, I, I'm looking forward to continuing our journey to irradiated Florida. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what is unfortunately a bad experience reared its ugly head on the Twitter machine this week. Uh, Leyline Press. I know, okay. I know you're saying who, right? Because I'm saying who. Um, right. When you told me about it, I had to go and look them up. They're a British gaming company, right? And, and before this incident happened, they had a smaller digital footprint than even us, right? Because we're not giants by any standard. No. But uh, less following, less interaction. Um just all of the measurable metrics, they were small, right? Um, when I stumbled across this mess, and of course I, I'm a glutton for punishment, so I seek this stuff out, so I was in it pretty early. Uh, <laughs> they had, uh, what, seven, 800 followers 
on 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 the Twitter machine. Um, now, of course, you know, no one can resist a car accident. Uh, they're up to nine something just to see what they're doing, but that number is now going down because of something that they're doing now. Uh, it's a whole fucking clusterfuck, Bert. Um, it all started with this statement, and I quote. Dear all, today it has come to our attention that one of our editors on the Salvage Woke is currently working on Lamentations the Flame Princess and has been involved with other problematic works that have received widespread critique for bigotry and other harmful issues. Okay, this is a whole thread. I, I, I can't. I can't maintain that. Um, I'm going to continue. We believe that these are highly problematic games by authors and companies whose politics and actions we vehemently disagree with. While we were unaware of this prior to hiring him, it was our responsibility to check the work history of the freelancers we work with. We are sorry that we did not do as carefully as we should. We would also like to be clear that this editor had no developmental role in Savage Woke. He was hired on a freelance basis and purely for proofing and editing. In order to avoid ourselves and our other contributors being associated with these damaging politics and actions, we have removed the editor's name from all of the Savage Woke books. We will not be working with them again in the future. We want to apologize to the tabletop community, including our readers and collaborators for this mistake. We will vet all of our contributors more thoroughly in the future. If you have any questions or concerns, please get in touch with us. By get fucked. Okay. Okay, so first of all... Um yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say know, anything because everybody knows where I'm at, right? Right. You, I mean, the, you go. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, first of all, um, Savage Woke is obviously not the name of the game. I know you're changing <laughs> it so as not to give them press. Oh, what but I do you that? said it about ten times, so I had to put that out there. Okay. But that's not the name of the game. I would have disclosed uh, that eventually. Secondly, I mean, looking at the other products this company has had, I mean... I can see why they wouldn't want to be associated with something like Lamentations because of dark themes. Because have you looked at any of their other games? Uh, I did, and I'm embarrassed to say that I did, but they are exclusively in my memory hole from now on. I, I don't want to talk about any of their other projects, but they're right. pretty glittery, right? But, right? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, just... Not not going to name the names, not going to put the products out there, but there's literally a role-playing game where you play as cats with superpowers. Meow, or the family meow. dog. Meow. Not wanting to be associated with someone who has, you know, worked with something with darker themes is, you know, is a PR decision that the company made. I don't know that they handled the announcement well, but, I mean, just imagine that you were making you know, a Looney Tunes cartoon, and suddenly Stephen King or Clive Barker's name was attached. Okay, that, good, 
right? No, uh, mad. No, because professionals are professionals. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna shed some some inside cred on this, but I'm gonna be very close to the vest with this for for obvious reasons because the sure. individual that was attempted, I guess, canceled, whatever, and I'll talk about what my main issue is with this whole cancellation. But that mm-hmm. individual, by trade, is a freelance editor. Uh, this person has edited books from Wizards of the Coast through the smallest independents through Paizo, right? Okay. And, and I don't think that when you are by trade a freelance editor the work that you are editing on right it's not this person's name on the masthead right it, he's he's doing a job getting a paycheck right so it's not something that their name is you know associated with they've worked on you know uh, you know 100 titles sure right Re- exactly sure they have a cred but it's not their game right, the, right. what what your argument which makes sense i'm not shitting on your argument your argument makes sense if it were their game right right uh what leyline is doing is the equivalent of saying someone worked for chick-fil-a when they were a teenager and we disagree with chick-fil-a's policies and i pick chick-fil-a very specifically because we know that politically Chick-fil-A is very vocal in their political beliefs. And and it's very easy to find a group like Leyline that would probably, if I were a betting man, I would say that they would disagree with the politics of Chick-fil-A as an organization. Is that a fair statement? I mean, not knowing Leyline's actual policies, but <laughs> I, I mean, I would say, you know, as a... As They're an very apples left, to apples, Chick-fil-A is very right. How's that? Right, as an apples-to-apples comparison, you know, I, I get what you're saying. So this is 10 years later, someone going and saying, you made some, by the way, very delicious Jesus chicken, uh, but you made some <laughs> some chicken when you were 15. Ryan, no. And, okay. um, and... We can't be associated with you. Okay, fine, fine. Capitalist at heart, you can hire and fire whoever the fuck you want for whatever the fuck reason you choose. Here's the thing. His work is good enough to keep, but his name is not. And that was my opening problem with this whole salvo. It wasn't that they chose to end their working relationship because of politics. It's because they are keeping the man's work and grandstanding for clicks, which worked. We're talking about it, right? As a probably ill-thought-through marketing strategy. Now, I was not the only one that was a little, I don't want to say shocked, outraged at this course of action. And not just our guys, not just OSR, but a lot of the moderate folks, and even, to their credit, some of the sparkly ones said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not a good look. That man worked for you. 
And I'm saying, you know, I'm using the the male pronouns just because it's conversational. I, okay. I, I would go crazy. I I um I, I'm not saying that this individual is male or female. Because uh, right. again, the name hasn't been announced. Right, the name hasn't been announced. The individual that has shared uh, their situation did so in confidence. Um, so you know, we respect that. I'm just using male pronouns because I'm a fucking misogynist, right? Um, now, the work is good enough, but the name is not good enough. Also, fucking vet your hires, guys. If you're gonna take a move and. Or if you're going to take a stance like this over the background of someone, it needs to be important enough for you to research before and not afterwards. I almost think that this whole thing might have been a woke cred clickbait plan, but I don't give them enough credit because if they were any good, they would have more followers than us. <laughs> well, I mean, making your point that way, you know, I can see some things that I uh, I disagree with. Obviously, I agree with you. You can hire and fire whoever you want. You don't want to be associated with a person because of their history. So, you know, there are some things I'm questioning. You know, was his uh, work on this product that you don't like? Was it, I mean, he's freelance. So was he working multiple contracts? Was it something that was active that you weren't aware of at the time that you hired him? Uh, and things he, like that can come up. His work from Lamentations is longstanding. Okay. All right. Uh, that was the first thing I wanted to ask. Okay. I don't. I don't have anything. No. No. You know, I, to, I. I totally get it. I uh, fire away, my friend. Right. So I mean, you know, thinking of it, you know, from an outside point of view, if I'm running this company, so that was my first thought. He's freelance. Freelancers can work on multiple contracts at once. Is this something he had in the pipeline that we didn't know about? So no. Okay. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, if you're hiring somebody, especially somebody in a creative role or in a, uh, you know, in a role like this where they're going to be working on, you know, a product that you're releasing to the public, then, and you don't want, you know, that sort of association, then yes, absolutely. You want to do that research beforehand, you know, before you hire somebody, look into their history. That just makes sense. It's, you know, um, now, as far as the other thing, like taking his work and not giving him credit, that's another thing entirely. I mean, if somebody does the work for you, I mean, you know, you're paying for the work that's done, you know, according to the contract, you know, you have a right to use that work. But if somebody did the work, especially in a creative realm like this, then striking their name from it seems to be, you know, a pretty extreme reaction just because they worked on a product you didn't like. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, now, the first person to to call them out and and really blow the lid off of this thing took me by surprise. It was our friend Grim Jim. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> he was right on it, and it rubbed him as a creator, as an editor, as a layout guy, right? It right. rubbed him the total wrong way, and he released a video in very short order and it wasn't their tweet that got the attention, unfortunately. <laughs> I I almost wish, and we talked about this uh, over the weekend uh, on T-Shirt of the Show, too. I almost wish Grimm didn't shine the light on them because 
he vastly outweighs them as far as audience. And his response video is what really brought all of us into the light on this issue. Uh, so the fact that, you know, the fact that he shined a light on it brought more attention than they got by making this kind of statement. Yeah, 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 yeah. But nonetheless, rightly so. I, it's not that I disagree with, with right. Jim. Like, it, it it got under his skin to the level that he needed to do something about it. And, and he did. And he put together a very, as always, thoughtful response and uploaded it. And uh, it's living out there in... in in the interwebs, in video lands, right? You can, you can go watch it, listen to it. Um, that opened up the floodgates because, you know, Jim has a lot of followers. <laughs> right. Um, and all of his followers and friends were then immediately made aware of the situation. And that started just the lambasting and I thought for a moment, okay, they're going to take this one on the chin. They know that it didn't work from a marketing standpoint. They also know that to an, to some extent it will work because there are some very radical folks that will look at this with completely different eyes and say, good, you know, good for that. We, we know that exists, right? Oh, I'm going to support that product. Good for them. Um, but I do think it did more damage to their product than good because it's really ugly saying, fuck you, we're keeping your work, but not your name. Um, I don't disagree. I mean, the when you're a company, you have to weigh those kind of decisions, especially if you're going to announce them. It would be one thing if they you know, quietly bought this guy's contract out, said that they didn't want to work with him anymore. That's and the way they should have done it. They didn't need to to try, again, to effectively clickbait Twitter and, and, and stir it up. Now, we know that controversy creates clicks, right? Uh, guilty. <laughs> you, I I uh, I wouldn't know about that. I I don't generate any clicks. No, you don't generate <laughs> any clicks. But we, we know that that is the case, right? And we know that generally speaking, there is no such thing as bad press. I say that all the time. Um, but there is a case of getting too much bad press because eyeballs on a situation that you may be poorly handled, that can be forgiven if you recover correctly. Well, they sure didn't recover correctly. Um, a little Twitter account, at NerdCognito, noticed right away that uh, without comment, they were blocked by Leyline Press. Hmm. And that little Twitter account made a big deal out of it because controversy does create clicks. So kudos to the powers that be. Those ladies know their shit, and they rode this wave in. And really just wanted to capitalize on, on a hot topic. You know, we are all whores to some extent, and we need exposure just as much as the next guy. So this, like like I said at the very top of the show, 
uh, we're, we, we're obligated to talk about it. We wouldn't be doing our due diligence if we didn't talk about it. But then an interesting thing happened, Bert. Following suit with the calling out that they chose to block instead of talk, they went on a rampage of blocking, and every single person that made a, or perceivably every single person that made a negative comment is now ending up blocked. And folks that didn't even comment but might be followers of certain groups of accounts are finding themselves blocked by Leyline Press. So they're creating block lists, which Ooh. we know is a sparkle troll tactic. But from a company standpoint, man, I don't want to block someone that could potentially buy my product. I've held my nose to politics and bought products from companies that I ordinarily would not support because it's a good game. Now they've pushed it beyond the barrier of whether Savage Woke is a good game or a bad game. If it is a good game, there's a lot of people that absolutely won't even give it a consideration now. There will be no holding your nose for this one. Yeah, I mean, blocking people because they don't agree with you is, you know, it, it's a move we see all the time, you know, unfortunately, on on social media and online but but not from a it's, company it's well not except really for the, like we're blocked by the wizards dnd account oh but it's not the best look <laughs> as far as that's concerned i mean you know conflict you know creates controversy controversy creates you know buzz and you know gets more and more information out there so you know if somebody doesn't like your product you know blocking them or preventing them from saying they don't like the product or they don't like the way you handled a situation, you know, it, it just kind of, it's trying to kill that, that conflict and that. And all you know, you're doing is inspiring more effort because fine, you don't want someone to say, I, I don't like how you handled. And, you know, of course there are people that, that go over the top with it. But sure. the general consensus was, are you kidding me? This is, you know, that sort of thing, right? It wasn't, uh, oh, you fuckity fuck fuck fucks, right? It was, uh, what the hell are you doing sort of, sort of response. Right. Now, if you inspire anger, sure, you can control your own Twitter feed, but I'll tell you what you can't control. You can't control reviews on drive-thru RPG. You can't control comments in some crowdfunding applications you can't control amazon reviews you're you've opened pandora's box and stirred it up and challenged folks at this point to say come on down my product it's just maybe it's because i'm in business by trade right you're inviting people to just take a piss all over your product in forums that you can't control when you eliminate an argument in a form that you can control. It's bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, not being in that world, I'm not, I don't run a business. I'm not a, uh, you know, a, a creator or anything like that. It's still, you know, having worked in a corporate environment and in several segments, it uh, it's not a good look when you're trying to black out anybody who's saying something negative about you 
you know, uh, it's oftentimes better to have a discussion or to, you know, even to concede like, you know, a mea culpa, you know, this isn't, this wasn't the best idea, you know, the, we, uh, however, we, you know, maybe an apology for announcing it. I don't know. And if you're like, too what prideful, you take. I always say, especially on the, the negative review front, right? Whether it's a product, whether it's this fucking podcast, because we know the sparkle trolls love to write reviews. Um, whether it's something you bought on Amazon or whether you're a company and it's a Google review of your storefront, the best course of action is you don't engage. Yeah, it's out there. Okay, Jim thinks that my company is shit. You don't engage. How many times I, I, I like reading, like I'll go to Google Maps just to read reviews sometimes for fun and to see what owners respond and when you find an owner that responds usually it is comedy gold <laughs> you can let things fade away everybody has the ability to forget and we know in our hobby that a lot of the audience has the memory of a goldfish they will forget they've already forgotten the ogl they've already forgotten kyle's racism they've already forgotten the wizard's movie removing the artist from the artwork gee that sounds familiar Ugh. maybe these guys are reading the news and and just taking cues from from wizards i don't know what it is it's it's we've gone far too long on this subject <laughs> Fair enough. What's uh, in the news? Oh, uh, I got a lot of news. I'm just going to like throw some articles out because we did go long on ley lines. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, you know, it is the, the topic that we have to have to talk about because it's the biggie. Uh, let's see. I'm going to toss that one. Uh, oh, here, here, here's where we'll open our news because it's something we've talked about before. It's a good throwback. Um, you know, I've been watching a particular product. Golly gee, with a designer that I might not see eye to eye politically on, but I think the product looks really freaking cool. Amazing how my brain can allow me to separate that stuff. Uh, we talked about it before. Break, right? It's the hybrid of like... Uh, fantasy role-playing and Final Fantasy-style arts with a little bit of cyberpunk on the side. And uh, we've seen it. The art looks really good. Well, it's finally gone to Kickstarter, and it's doing quite well, Bert. Um, that's the... Um, that's the one that was almost, like 10 years in, <laughs> in development, right? It's, right? it's almost like, a, like an anime-style tabletop RPG. Yep. That's that's okay. a very fair. It's it's like a mashup of Zelda and Final Fantasy and anime. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, I'm familiar. I've seen some stuff about it. Yeah. Uh, they're uh, over half million dollars, so it's happening finally. Uh, they have some really slick packaging too. I I may or may not have backed it. Uh, it's it's really cool. Um, we talked about it in the past because they, uh, in one of their previews, released their world building stuff, and that looked super slick. Uh, it's just pretty. And it's different looking, and it's right. it, it, it sort of tickles your fancy because 
if you were a Final Fantasy player, if you were an anime fan, if you liked the 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 bright palette of Zelda, then this this game is right up your alley. Right. I was never a huge Zelda fan, but this also reminds me of something like Dragon Quest. Yep. Yep. That's same same style. So break. Uh, they just broke uh, as of this recording. Uh, they're a hair over um, 510k. So good for them. Uh, there's let's see. By the time this airs, there's going to be just a handful of hours left. So uh, it it absolutely funded, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it at our table maybe <laughs> or is this just going to be one of those pretty pretty books <laughs> that i have that we never play <laughs> right one of those ones that you put on the shelf and you look at but we never would you never put anything together for you know what else has a color palette that's strikingly similar to break but very very different art style um auras the role-playing game uh is is leaning heavy into those bright and neon tones so um, Some of the promo art you show me, I can see that, you know, a lot of it is, uh, you know, bright and uh, it's a very, uh, very shiny and slick type, uh, you know, promo art from what I've seen. I've showed some folks in the industry and they said, I mean, it looks good, right? But this is not the art that we were expecting for your game. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, you know, hey, uh, whatever. But no, break looks really cool. Um, I do like Final Fantasy. I do like Zelda. So um, I've been watching it since it was a glimmer in the developer's eye, and I'm very excited to see it go forward. Despite probable differences of opinions on modern political topics, Bert. Oh, boy. That's that's enough of the political quagmire, so we won't get into that part. What else is in the news? I, I think we... We, and by we, I mean me. I think I did very well not really uh, bringing it out. You know, it had to be talked about to some extent because the decision they made was entirely political. But um, I, I think I think we did good. We still, you know, brought the story without the baggage. So I'm, I'm pulling a Barry Horowitz and patting myself on the back. Now, there are maybe three listeners that will get that reference, so I'm going to move on to the next story. <laughs> what else we got, Ryan? Uh, the Video Game Hall of Fame has announced its inductees for the 2023 class. And boy, let me tell you, it's a barn burner this year. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the 2023 inductees are The Last of Us. Great game. Computer Space, which is the old, old, old electromechanical stand-up arcade deal, right? I don't remember that one. Uh, 1971. Um, it is <laughs> no, actually in our local retro arcade. I've had the chance to play it. Um, okay. Well, it, it, it's what you would think a 1971 video game looks like. Um, we Sports... Okay, well, I mean, everybody played Wii Sports because it came with the Wii at one point. I can't disagree. The world played Wii Sports. You know, we we, we sort of were like, Wii Sports now, but it was a pretty significant impact on the industry. And uh, I don't know how much of an impact this was. What the fuck? Barbie fashion designer. Yeah, never played it. Know nothing about it. 
the justification for Barbie fashion designer, which was an old x86 PC CD-ROM game. Okay. <laughs> oh, it was a jumping off point for the girls' game movement and shook up the software and gaming scene. Really? It did? Did it? Well, I mean, did it? I have to think. You know, I, I can't remember many. Like, think about video games when we were kids. How many Atari games were marketed, you know, at girls over boys? Okay. Or how many? I think that there were Atari games that were specifically marketed for boys. That's a fair statement. Right. I don't But I think... can't think of any that were specifically marketed for girls. So if they're saying this was groundbreaking in that they were trying to market something specifically to little girls at the time. That uh, eh, that, that almost makes sense to me because there were a lot of titles I can think of that were targeted to little boys. If I think about the commercials and the marketing at the time that we were kids, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know that I agree with you on that one. Yes, there were games that were specifically targeted for boys. I'm not. I'm not denying that. But I think that most of the advertising was targeting for people that are going to play games. I do think a lot of it was gender agnostic. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking back with rose-colored glasses on this one. Maybe a little bit. I mean, because I can remember, you know, video game commercials, video game ads, and, you know, a lot of them were targeted. You know, some of them were neutral, but the ones that weren't neutral were almost exclusively targeted at boys. That, that, that's a fair statement. If it wasn't neutral, I th it would have been male-targeted. But I think an overwhelming majority were neutral. You know, they were focused on the game, not necessarily on... on um, and I can't say they weren't focused on a target demo, because I'm sure they had a target demo. But right, I, don't, sure. I don't know that the marketing screamed... boy. Because I look at marketing like from some of the 80s toy show cartoons, of which I'm still guilty of buying. Like you, you've seen the pile of Masters of the Universe in my corner. Yes, the pile, yes. Um, those were specifically targeted to, to boys. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I, I concede. I might be just looking back and wishing, right? But whatever. Fucking Barbie fashion designer is in the Hall of Fame. Hey, speaking of good video games, I got a list for you. Okay, what's uh, on the list? Well, I, first of all, let me preface that this is a list that's not from what we would consider an industry rag, right? Okay. I crap on the pop gaming media all the time. This is not from the pop gaming media. This is from GQ, baby. Gentlemen's Quarterly. Gentlemen's uh, Quarterly did a video game list. Not only what about? Did they, they did a video game list that was the top 100 video games ever. <laughs> and it's a bunch of steaming pile of shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not um, going through a top 100 list. I'll give you the top five. Five is good. Five is good. Um, number five is Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Good game. Good. Oh, but I love that game. Top five ever? I don't know that mm -hmm. I could put it there. The controls are clunky. The oh, I don't know. I, I love that game. I played that game to death. So. Would you put it in your top five personal, though? Five, right? All time. Mm. Well, let's see. We're talking Super Mario World. 
Yeah, I mean, my top fives are almost exclusively RPGs, so... Well, well, hold on, because number four is Bloodborne. Oh, no. No, that wouldn't make my top five at all. <laughs> I don't even think that makes my top 25. Uh, number three, Tetris. Fine. Okay, I mean, it was huge because, you know, it, it came with the original Game Boy. Right, right. Like, everybody played Tetris. I don't know that I would list it as, you know, top one in my top ten, top five games. Not, not necessarily in your top five, but if you're looking at the industry macro, it, it, Tetris, sure. let's, let's put it this way, Tetris has a bigger footprint than Bloodborne. Right? Oh, definitely. Absolutely, it does. Number two. Second time, ding, 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 this episode, The Last of Us, again. Oh, no. That was great, a great game. game, but not top five. Mm, yeah, no, it, that wouldn't make my top five, but it would probably be in my top ten. And number one, Breath of the Wild. I haven't played it. Uh, spectacular. Uh, it, it is spectacular, but again, I don't know that it is... The number one game of all time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting. I wonder what their criteria were. Like, are they going based on, like, sales and distribution numbers? Like, what are they looking <laughs> at as far as that's concerned? Well, it's, uh, the reason I picked this list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you know there's always an ulterior motive, right? Uh, oh, boy. The, the reason I picked this list is because it is a conglomerate of industry employees from studios A to Z. And um, this just shows you the headspace of the people that are cranking out the shit. This is 300 video game industry Developers, programmers, creators, you know, that sort of thing. Hmm. Okay. And it's so compiled out of, made it. out of a response of 239. So if you wonder why most video games are shit, now you know. Hmm. The people making them have no fucking palate. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say no palette, but it's kind of interesting that, that that insiders can even, you know, agree. Like most guys I know who are gamers all have their own favorites and rarely do those lists intersect. No palette. I said it. <laughs> uh, back to the tabletop role-playing world. There's a new one out that, that hit my radar right now, and it's called Wilder Feast. It's effectively... A Monster Hunter tabletop role-playing game. So you go okay. hunt shit, cook shit, and craft shit. I don't know how it's going to translate to the table, but it's just announced there's preliminary art that was released, and all we know is that a Kickstarter is coming with no release date. But... I'm curious to see how mechanically it's going to work, right? That's very curious. I mean, you you know, 
we've talked on the show before that we love things like Iron Chef, but I can't see like a tabletop RPG about hunting and cooking, you know, and crafting and crafting. And crafting. I mean, uh, it's which, which ironically, <laughs> cooking and crafting very often get overlooked if you're playing something like Castles and Crusades or D and D, right? Right. Um, you do it, but it's usually a throwaway. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm in town this week. I'm gonna make a blah blah blah. Right. As opposed to the core game is, uh, I fought this Brontosaurus and I'm going to make a Brontosaurus club. So we'll see. Um, I'm I'm watching it. It's interesting. Things. Yeah, it's a new idea at least. Which it is I'm a new always, idea. I'm all which, for new ideas. Which which I like. So. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I don't know if I should say this or not. I'm not going to say it. Look, look, I'm actually going to, going to put my filter up. (laughs) Okay. I'll just move on to the last thing. Uh, the last item in our list of newsworthy things this week, uh, roots of Pacha video game. Uh, have you heard about this? No, I don't know anything about it. It's, uh, you know, another Harvest Moon. It's another Stardew Valley. It's farming and life sim. Uh, okay. But it's co-op, and it's pretty. I, I don't know what it's like to play it, because I didn't buy it when it released just last week, and it's already down from Steam. So, uh, Why did it go down that quickly? Uh, one of the core developers... And the publisher, Sodaden, have had a dispute of some sort. All we know is that it's a dispute, and the individual petitioned Steam to enforce their policy that when there is a studio dispute, they will not sell the game, and Steam pulled the game. Hmm. So... You know, it's a bunch of he said, she said. We don't know what the dispute is, at least as of this recording. All we know is that what looked to be a very promising game in a genre that, quite frankly, sells. uh, Right. I mean, you know, you think about the games in that genre, they are popular. Right. The, the, I I think I got it backwards. The publisher petitioned Steam to, to pull it. So it's a publisher developer dispute. And I, I said the developer petitioned, but it's the publisher that, that, that petitioned. Uh, but yeah, it's it's gone. So Roots of Pacha, put it on your wish list. If it pops back up and it's your sort of thing, buy it before it goes away forever because we know how these things tend to work out. But that, my friend, is our news for the week. Yay, we made it through another news cycle. We did, we did. And it wasn't horrible except for GQ revealing that video game developers don't know their asshole from a hole in the ground. So, (laughs) shit. Um, You know what we do know? We know our table pretty well at the NerdCognito gaming table. We know the guys and gals that we game with. Uh, Shout out to the albino princess. You better fucking show up next week. Um, anyway, um, we, last week we're talking about how we were sort of a ship without a compass, right? Right. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what the hell we were going to do. We were kicking around ideas and 
I think just off the cuff, you said, yeah, well, what about Fallout? Right. Well, I've been, the developer has, uh, you know, a, a system that works. They have a, a, a role-playing system that they've developed. They get the rights to intellectual properties. They tweak the system and they release books for those properties. So I've been wanting to get one of their games to the table for a while. And it seems like every time they released an IP I was excited about, the rest of the table was just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, like, and uh, before you you continue, we're going to say it's Modifius, right? It's their two D twenty system, and um, we've talked about a couple of their different properties before and wanting to play them, but we never got a chance to do it. So last week, Bert said, "Yeah, well, what about Fallout?" and and you guys agreed. Like that was the I was shocked. I was just throwing it out there because I threw out Dune and. We all know how you feel about Dune, Ryan. Well, you're my official yeah. Dune ambassador. Am ba- I can't talk. You're my official Dune ambassador, right? Right, right. So it wasn't a universe that you were interested in kicking around in. You know, there's some of the other ones that I threw out there, people, you know, were kind of off and on about. But Fallout has sort of that, you know, uh, I think that balance of, like, action, sci-fi, and sarcasm. That uh, that kind of drew <laughs> drew people in. No, I I, I don't think. Um, well, I can't say this because I was going to say I don't think there's anyone that hasn't played and enjoyed Fallout. But Dan uh, right. looked at me from across the table last week and was like, "Yeah, I never played Fallout." And I was like, "What? <laughs> what?" Uh, anyway, but the the character that he made was totally straight you know, out of the Fallout universe. To, yeah. Exactly, one hundred and ten percent. So, so we the way did he brought it to life like it was one hundred percent a Fallout character. No, without a doubt, <laughs> without a doubt. So, we did finally get through some character creation, and we we had our, our smaller party. Right, one of the considerations is that with two of our players currently indisposed. Right. We are shorthanded, so to speak, right, on, on running a full, like, fantasy campaign. Like, I, I'm not going to start uh, Dungeons & Delvers right. with, with with a limited group. And it's not that we couldn't do it. We have enough that we could do it, but we like our fantasy big and proud. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the, when you think of, you know, when you think of a fantasy adventure, you think of the fellowship. You don't think of, you know... Bob and his sidekick. <laughs> but know? I think one of the reasons that I was quick to jump into Fallout is because it will play so beautifully with a smaller core group. Right. I mean, the original, you know, if you look at the original video game, it's for one player or one player and a companion. So it's, you know, it it kind of dovetails easily into smaller parties as well as larger ones. So we, we rolled up our characters. Um Dan, who, as we said before, has never played Fallout and does not know a whole hell of a lot about the Fallout universe, effectively made a textbook Colonel Gutsy. <laughs> right, pretty close. Uh, and um, he, it's, it's wonderful, and that speaks to just the... I don't want to use the word trope, but it is. It, you know, Fallout is very cliche in some ways, in a good way, and uh, it does that. Um, we also got a chance once our characters were done to run through sort of like a preliminary, uh, campaign. 
right. uh, just, I, uh, just to get our feet wet. Right. They included a starting module in the book, and I figured it was a good idea to run it to give you guys sort of an overview of how the system works and things like that before we jump into a campaign. Because if we started with that that uh, module and you guys absolutely hated the way it played or you were miserable trying to keep track of the fiddly bits in the system... You know, I wanted to know that before I was like, okay, well, here's the next six months of adventure. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to tell you what I like and what I dislike, and you tell me what you feel too, right? Okay. Uh, I like that it oozes Fallout theme. Top to right. bottom, front to back, we know Modiphius is really good at taking an IP. I think that structurally some of the mechanics are a little overdone, right? And... Obviously, we ran into it, and one of the big critiques of the game in general is um, proofing and editing. Um, the book doesn't flow at all. That's that's probably my biggest gripe. Uh, the The actual core rules don't have a good natural flow. You're all over that book. Even in character creation, front to right. back, top to bottom, you were all over the book. That was compounded by the fact that there were some uh, editing errors and oversights that were left out and had to be eroded in that were core oversights. Like, we're not talking they changed language in a spell here. We're talking they forgot entire tables. Um, and it, I ran into it with my character when I, I, was, I was like, am I stupid, Bert? Yeah, you were like, you had to roll off the aid table, and the aid table wasn't in the book. There's no aid table, right? I had to roll off the junk table. There's no junk table. Um, it, it's it's almost as though, and it probably was, it was rushed out, right? 2D20 mechanically works very well. I think my second gripe is is just some of it is a little overblown. I don't need to track, and I get it. They're trying to match the Fallout wound system where you can cripple a limb and this, that, and the other. That's a little much. That's a little much for me. I mean, I'm going to play it. I'm going to enjoy it, but I could have done without that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of I like that, the fact that you can you know, choose to target an enemy's legs so that they can't move, or you can choose to target an enemy's arms so that they can't, you know, that, so that they can't, you know, return attacks effectively. Well, you can still nice do that. strategic element. But do you have to track it, right? My character sheet has arm hit points, left arm hit points, right arm hit points, left leg hit points, right leg hit points, torso hit points, head hit points, and total hit points. Eh, if I'm going to do a called shot to the leg and I do enough damage, the GM should just be able to say, all right, you blew their fucking leg off, and he ain't going anywhere. Uh, it, it, it's 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 just personal preference. Is it game breaking for me? No. Have I played systems that are more fiddly? Yes. It's just like I get what you're trying to do, but it was unnecessary. Okay. I mean, I can see that. Uh, like I said, the game is a little crunchy when I look at the when we did the rules and things like that. I can see, you know, that being it's a totally different mechanic from most game systems that I've played. Yeah, no, uh, I've played other stuff that's there 2D20, and it works well. Um, if nothing else, maybe this will be, you know, a, a good, successful campaign that we enjoy through Fallout, and that opens up the door for a lot of, I'm going to be honest, the IPs that we really like that, unfortunately, Modifius is the one that snagged. So, um, 
you know, it, it does open up a whole lot of other worlds, aliens, Blade Runner, that sort of stuff. Right. So um, I'm not disappointed at all. I'm, I'm happy with it. Uh, we're going to see where it goes. Um, I, I like that you're, you know, like you said, we, we ran the, the book intro module just to get our feet wet, but we are eventually right. going to transition into your fallout world of South Florida, which is an interesting choice, my friend. Right. Well, I, I had to look at, you know, in the fallout universe, there's, you know, a lot is known about the Commonwealth. A lot is known about the NCR. A lot is, but nothing is, you know, I've never seen in, in any of the game like setups or anything like that, you know, anything that was set up in that sort of South Florida type area. So I thought it would be a good way to be able to use some of the existing elements of the book, but sort of throw things out there that you're not expecting, even if you've played every Fallout game. Right. No, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So kudos to you for on the on the fly taking me up on the, hey, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want a GM this time. You, you run something. And you, and you said, yeah, sure. And, and I think it's going to be successful. Uh, if it takes a turn for the worse, we'll talk about it here. Why, why the hell not? Otherwise, yeah, right. I mean, uh, exactly. I think the group's going to enjoy it. Um, you know, one thing that we certainly enjoy, not only with diverse role-playing systems and interesting groups, but we enjoy our fan base a lot, and we really appreciate each and every one of you. And every month there's one person we really appreciate, and that's our... Checkmark. Of course. Well, I mean, without it, we wouldn't have that little blue check mark on Twitter that means, oh, so much right now. So, our check mark hero is a very important role that needs filled each and every month. And this month, good old Doc Jones has stepped up, tossed $8 our way, and become our check mark hero want to give him a follow because not only is he our checkmark hero but he's a really fun guy and has a lot of thoughtful insight on twitter you can follow him at djonez73 uh docs our checkmark hero you can be too just go to nerdcognito.com and click on the link at the top of the page that says checkmark hero and then you'll get to hear this wonderful sound with your name attached to it checkmark hero so harmonious, isn't it, Bert? <laughs> it is. It's and just, we appreciate our checkmark heroes. We, we do. I mean, and you get my voice eight times singing at you <laughs> every single... Uh, did I ever tell you that that's what that is, right? Right. You told me that you created that, <laughs> you know, that way, using your own voice multiplied and... Uh, yeah, I did the, the Ozzy Osbourne times four. <laughs> so, um, what else do we appreciate? Well, we appreciate all of our followers. Hey, and, until Leylines decided to screw the woke pooch, uh, we had more followers than they do. So now's the time to tell your friends to follow at NerdCognito. You'll get previews of all of the stuff that we are going to talk about, plus more plus pithy commentary from the powers that be. Uh, sometimes they might be fed a line here and there. I can't imagine who might do that. Uh, but it, it, it's definitely an account worth following, so follow at NerdCognito. If you want to talk to me on the Twitter machine, you can do it too. You can just follow me at I hate Ryan David. So, 
Yeah, uh, very busy week, my friend. Um, next week, you know, we'll be able to talk about something fun until Wizards does something boneheaded because we're due for another <laughs> another trip on that carousel. But uh, that's all we have for you this week. Uh, my name is Ryan David. I was joined by Bert, as always, and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. No!